Welcome to the Tar Heel Hustle, where we explore the different dimensions of the Keenan Flagler Executive MBA program. I'm Javier Guillermo. And I'm Bola Mustafa, and we're your hosts. With us is our tireless producer, Mateo Cilia, and Esmeralda Baltazar, our social media manager, keeping us honest. We decided to create the podcast to share with you our collective experience during our time in the Keenan Flagler MBA program. Welcome to season two. Over the course of this season, our guests will share how UNC Kenan Flagler Business School provides them with tools to develop their thought leadership platform, increase mental health awareness, and most importantly, refine critical soft skills. Our guests will also share key takeaways from the experiential learning component included in one of the best entrepreneurship programs in the U.S. We'll also talk about the key elements needed for a successful negotiation and explore the program's career advancement resources. So, let's hustle. Let's get down to business. Let's get down to business. Welcome, Stephen M. Markovi, to the Tar Heels Hustle podcast. We are very excited to have you with us today. Mr. Stephen M. Markovi is not only our classmate Stephen's dad, but also the author of an amazing book that everyone now more than ever should be reading or rereading The Speed of Trust. Trust has become even more critical in this new business environment where virtual teams and hybrid work may be here to stay. Welcome, Stephen. What an honor. Well, thank you, Javier. Well, uh, Esmeralda, it's great to be with you in the Tar Heel Hustle podcast. I'm excited to be here with you today. Welcome to the show. It's an honor to have you. Thank you. All right. Well, but before we talk about trust, let's talk about thought leadership and the topic of this episode. Well, let me give kind of two broad camps. One is kind of a pervasive idea of thought leadership. It's a way of thinking, a way of learning, because we're in a new world now. We've moved from the industrial age into the digital age, the knowledge worker age. And and, uh, today, uh, knowledge is ubiquitous. It's everywhere. So being a know-it-all is not sufficient. We, we need to become a learn-it-all. As uh, I think Liz Wiseman phrased that, I think others might have too. We need to learn. And so thought leadership is that we have the, the capabilities and the skill set and the analytical thinking and the rigor in our, in our thought process and our thinking such that we can learn and uh, we can learn fast. It's estimated now that human knowledge doubles every 12 hours. So how are we going to stay current with everything? What really matters is now being able to learn. And so at one level, to me, thought leadership in a way that applies to every one of us is that we're constantly focusing on our capabilities and our talents to learn, to think, to understand, to gain perspective, because this helps us see the world in new ways and, and to manage through change and disruption and all the things that are happening to us and to be flexible, to be agile in our thinking, in our mindset. And that applies to all of us. That's the advantage of what you're doing with getting an MBA because you're training your mind and your capabilities. You're developing your capacities and your thinking and your skill. That to me is a broad level of thought leadership that applies to everyone, a way of thinking that's relevant for our times. In a, in a knowledge worker age where what's the, the greatest premium is on being able to learn faster 
as opposed to just pure knowledge. So that'd be one. The second kind of category of thought leadership that I think is something that I'm excited about is the idea that you can also become and develop expertise. You can become an expert and develop expertise around a particular topic, area, process, approach, methodology, what have you, where you bring a unique approach to it and where you can, in a sense, codify your ideas, your intellectual property. And it can be, it could take a variety of different forms. It could be, you know, modalities. It could be in the form of a book, which is maybe the most common and the most understandable, but it also could be in a variety of different forms in, in, a, in a speaking approach or a presentation or in a consulting approach or methodology or in a process approach. But the whole idea that you have a way of uh, framing things and languaging things and sequencing things and, and then even processing them that you can codify and share. And I've done that with the speed of trust, taking a very common idea, trust, but having a unique approach towards how trust is a learnable skill and a competency and having a framework so we can think about it, a language so you can talk about it, a process so you can actually work on it, build it, create it on purpose. And that to me is an example of, of being able to take ideas, codify them, and then have thought leadership that you can scale and thought leadership from which you can do all kinds of things. You can productize things and you can create once and sell many because of how you're able to uh, leverage it. And that's a great opportunity today in a knowledge worker economy is to be able to codify your thought leadership and then scale it, leverage it, license it, grow it, expand it all kinds of possibilities. Perhaps no one has done this better than what my father did, Stephen's grandfather, a Dr. Stephen R. Covey with the seven habits of highly effective people and other works that he, he created, uh, Principal Center Leadership, First Things First. The seven habits is the most uh, well-known of, of his works. And I'll, I need to tell you something that happened back, this is in the 1980s when my father was, working on, on the book, he'd been teaching seven habits since 1979. The book didn't come out till 1989. So he'd been teaching it for a while. And then he created audio tapes on it, which was kind of a codification of his presentation. And then we even created some videotapes on it, but he was always working on the book. He just wanted to get the book right. And I remember at the time we actually had some outside consultants come to us and say, don't put these ideas down in a book. If you do that, who's going to hire you? No one's going to hire you. They'll just go buy the book and pay $20. And they're not going to hire you to come in and speak or present or consult or work with them. They'll just buy the book and you're just cannibalize yourself. And it was not crystal clear at the time. It, today, it looks obvious, but at the time, it really wasn't. But my father operated first on the principle of abundance, and he wanted to get the ideas out there. But he also believed that whatever need would have been met through a book, 10 times more needs or 100 times more needs would emerge from the book being out there, where people would say, we need this. I want to go deeper in this. I want to learn more. And that's exactly what happened. And so he codified his ideas, 
in a book, in all kinds of different formats, platforms, modalities. And literally, I think we have dozens and dozens, maybe a hundred different products that, that Seven Habits has been put into that are really helping people, blessing lives, making a difference for people, for leaders, for organizations all around the world. And it's a great example of creating intellectual property, uh, thought leadership, and codifying it, and then getting it out there to as many people as possible in as many formats as possible and seeing great impact because of it. And the greatest impact really is on how many people it's reached, as well as having also a positive financial impact because of how you can leverage this as well. So that's a long answer to a really great question. That's a fantastic perspective on thought leadership. And I'll go ahead and hand it back over to Javier. I think he's going to build upon what you mentioned earlier regarding trust. Let's talk about trust. Okay. Oh, when I read, trust makes everything better by increasing speed and lowering costs. I said, yes, that's how you measure trust. That's how you can, you can understand if, I, if there is trust in an organization. But since the publishing of your book, the world has changed a little bit. And working in teams, working together, and how we work has changed. In this new environment, what strategies would you recommend to our audience to build trust at work and go from trust taxes, which is the risk right now, to trust dividends? Yes. I like to put it this way, Javier, that when I first published Speed of Trust, about 15 years ago now, I felt it was relevant then. I think it's infinitely more relevant today because of what's going on in our society and, and all around us, you know, with the, the changes, you know, which is a big part of uh, this podcast uh, theme. And I'm looking at these changes that are, that are hitting us. You know, the very nature of the world has changed with all the technology, the pace of change, the amount of change, the type of change, disruptive technologies changing everything. The nature of work itself has changed as we've gone from the industrial age to the digital age to knowledge work to service oriented. And, and so it's a different type of work, collaborative, interdependent, increasingly. The nature of the workplace has changed. And this is what's hit us in the last, you know, heavily since the pandemic, in that suddenly we now have more than ever before people working from home or working from anywhere or doing some hybrid combination of working on site as well as from anywhere. You know, there's new models that are emerging that we still don't know exactly where it's going to go other than it's likely going to be some combination, some hybrid going forward. And, and that, that's a huge change that's accelerated dramatically over the last uh, year and a half and will continue. And that really has huge implications on trust. And then the nature of the workforce has changed. There's more generations than ever before. There's more diversity than ever before. The need for inclusion is so tremendous. And so that's upon us. And finally, I'm going to say the nature of choice itself has changed. We've gone from what we might call multiple choice to infinite choice in almost every aspect of our lives. We have so many options and choices today that we didn't have a decade ago and certainly 50 years ago. It's just like a different place, infinite choice. And so for if I'm working now, all these forces are taking place. I can work 
from anywhere in many cases with whomever. And so I'm now going to go to an organization where I feel they value me. They believe in me. They trust me. And this is why in this environment where there's so many choices and options for people, it's put a greater premium on the importance of building and creating a high trust culture that attracts, retains, engages, and inspires the best people so that you can win the war for talent. And there is a war for talent. And people have those many choices and options today. And and so they'll choose to work with organizations where they feel valued and trusted and inspired. And when they don't, they'll go find a place where they are because they have too many options. And so trust has always mattered, but especially today with all these forces of change that that are upon us, that have really created a, a vital imperative. I call it an epic imperative. And that is the need to win in the workplace, to win the war for talent, to build a great culture that attracts and inspires the best people. And the key to that is to build a high trust culture. It's not the only thing you have to do. There's other things we need to do as well, of course. We have to have good strategy and everything else. But the culture matters enormously of being able to attract people, retain them, engage them, and inspire them. And nothing is as inspiring as a culture of trust. Nothing is as as exciting and energizing as a culture of trust. Nothing is as fast as the speed of trust. And so, you know, trust is just a different dynamic altogether. But also, trust helps us collaborate and innovate. And that's our world today as well. And whether it be on virtual teams, the need to collaborate, uh, you know, and what's interesting is that we have all the technology tools needed to collaborate virtually. We have the technology. The real question is whether or not we have the trust needed to collaborate. If you think about it, in a very real sense, trust is the ultimate collaboration tool. Which tools or toolkits should a leader rely on to develop or refine their thought leadership abilities? Yes. Well, I think the need to constantly stay current and be relevant in a changing world so that you don't become dated or less and less relevant over time because everything is shifting. And and the value of thought leadership is that it's relevant and that it's timely and it's useful and practical. And that's where if there's some focus on, on underlying principles as a foundation, the principles tend to be enduring, whereas practices tend to come and go. But principles are enduring. They cross cultures. They cross time. They, they cross uh, nationalities and all kinds of possibilities. And so I think that to have a focus on principles, I think, is a useful thing for any thought leader to then, with that foundation of principles to then also be well read and aware with what is happening out there so that you can apply those principles to the different changes in the world. If you're not current and relevant with what's going on, then increasingly over time, you could become less and less relevant with your thought leadership. And so you don't have to be an expert in all those things because none of us are. You can be an expert in your area but then you need to just be aware of all the changes that are impacting your area so you can 
make the connections for people and make it really timely and relevant. And I think that's, that's critical. And, and so the need for also constantly to be a, a, a good learner. Javier, I saw in your uh, LinkedIn, your descriptor, one of your descriptors was dynamic learner, which is really a great thing of just always, you know, seeing yourself as a learner that we've never arrived. We're always learning and getting better. That, that Again, that keeps us relevant. And so those are some of the key skills. And then always refining our, our critical thinking, but also our emotional intelligence skills. Because as, as important as the intellectual and mental intelligence is, and it's obviously important to thought leadership, emotional intelligence is also vital. They're wed, they're, they're welded together in that we don't just do things in isolation. It's always, you know, work gets done with and through people. And if we're going to influence people through ideas and thought leadership, it needs to be in a way that connects to the human experience and to who people are. And so how we see people matters. Our paradigm of how we see people of, as being whole people with a body, a heart, a mind, a spirit, which, well, as you know, in the eighth habit, that's a big part of that. The idea that people are whole people, not fragmented parts. They have a body, heart, mind, spirit. And, and so you're trying to tap into that. You're aware of that. You see people that way. And people have inherent greatness inside of them. And when you see people that way, then that becomes a paradigm so that your role as a thought leader is to try to unleash that greatness inside of people, to develop it, to unleash it, because you see it. And some people may not even see it. Some people don't see it in themselves, and some leaders don't see it in others. But when you see it in yourself, and when you see it in others, what a possibility that is. The whole work of uh, Carol uh, Dweck on a growth mindset of, you know, a growth mindset for yourself, always growing, but also a growth mindset for others. Exactly. They, they can be growing. So these are, you know, so you're looking at, you're really questioning your, uh, your, your mindset, your paradigm, your thinking, your emotional intelligence, so that you're uh, able to connect body, heart, mind, and, and spirit to people. I think that that keeps you current and relevant in a changing world. And um, so that we don't grow stale or, you know, dated in, in our approach. Thank you. Yeah, the whole uh, the Sonder approach, you know, understand that other folks are just as equally as complex as you are, <laughs> all our classmates, you know, we all competed for a spot at the, at the program. And then, you know, just looking at the core values at Keenan Flagler Business School, you know, teamwork is, is one of them, one of, the, one of the main five. And, you know, we all had to come together, trust each other and learn and collaborate. And, you know, ultimately, there should be a lot of great results. And this this podcast is, is, is a fine example of that teamwork and that collaboration that was built as be to trust you, you would say, because <laughs> we brought it together pretty, pretty quickly you know, during the uh, pandemic. And, you know, here we are today speaking to an expert in that. So thank you so much for sharing um, your perspective on trust. Well, you, you guys are practitioners of trust with what you're doing now, what you're doing as, as classmates at UNC, what you're doing with this Tar Hill Hustle podcast and how you've come together, how you're collaborating and innovating because you trust each other. You can do it better. Without trust, you don't collaborate, you just coordinate. There's nothing wrong with coordination, but your performance is nowhere near your potential. But you increase the trust, you move from coordination to cooperation, increase, increase the trust even more, you move to creative, innovative collaboration. And trust is the differentiator. So in your experience at firsthand, same with a team, you know, without trust, you're not a team. You're just a group of individuals working on a project. It is trust that turns a group into a team. It is transformative to 
to the very nature of our relationships. And the yeah. Tar Heel Hustle podcast hosts are speechless, Stephen. Thank you so much for that. Thinking back to the topic of our episode about thought leader, what is a thought leader like you going to do different from now on? What are your plans for the future? Well, I've had to, in a sense, reinvent myself like uh, many in that set. I, I went from doing 99% of my engagements on site in person to uh, doing a, just a few on site and in person and almost all of them virtual. And, and so I've had to learn how to use technology and use different platforms from Zoom to Teams and others and be able to do polling and breakouts and be able to, to use the, the great capabilities that, that exist and, and to take advantage of this. But I've also, are, I'm really applying my trust principles to this new world with all these emerging forces of change that we've described. Include it, especially around this whole workplace that has changed right in front of our eyes. And I really had to connect that there. So again, it's, I'm trying to apply the very thing I said earlier to Bola about what thought leadership is, is, is and, how, and how you go about remaining a thought leader. I, I'm trying to stay relevant in a changing world. I know the trust principles are relevant, but I want to make sure I'm relevant in a changing world by being able to apply them in different situations, different contexts, and with different technologies and different modalities. And so that's been a learning process for me, and it continues to be so. But you know what? I'm having fun. I, I truly agree. I think you know all great leaders are able to show that vulnerability as they try something new, as they try to, you know, again, go out on that line with or without a safety net. Definitely inspires a lot of their direct reports or anyone with an organization that's that's there to listen to any kind of thought leadership they're trying to share. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. Uh, being vulnerable as you try new things that you're maybe not good at, you know, new technologies and the like, is a is a very useful thing that actually helps you build the trust. The very display of vulnerability, as Brene Brown says, the the very act of vulnerability actually helps create trust. And it's a sign of strength, not weakness, to be vulnerable, because you couldn't do it if you didn't have some inner sense of core of who you are and what you're about. That gives you the courage to be vulnerable. Hey, can I share one last thought on thought leadership? And here's a belief I have about thought leadership. The reason why thought leadership is important for all of us to think about today, I've already talked about how it's the nature of our world. It's it's a you know knowledge worker economy and the like, but I think there's an extraordinary chance for all of us to make lasting contributions to others. And I, and I would say this, that as important as codifying thought leadership is to kind of scale and to leverage and to license and to, and to get economic value, and I'm not going to downplay that. It's very real, and I think it's useful, and I think it's important. I think the greater value is all around contribution. It's all around significance, mattering, making a difference, adding value to people, blessing lives. And uh, so there's a chance to have greater impact on more people in more places 
through thought leadership. And not just looking at the economics of thought leadership, but looking at the impact and the contribution of thought leadership. As my father always said, life is about contribution, not accumulation. And I think thought leadership scaled can reach new heights of contribution, new heights of having significance and blessing lives and leaving a legacy and mattering. And that is more important to me than even the economics. And I'm in favor of the economics. I think there can be great economics, the thought leadership, and the greater impact is going to be on uh, what it does to bless and impact people's lives. And that to me is important. And that's why the abundance mentality, the mindset that there's enough for everyone. You know, yes, economics are based upon is based upon scarcity, supply and demand. But most of life is not economics. Most of life is based upon an abundance of, there's infinite potential for creativity, for innovation, for collaboration, for teamwork, for love, for trust, for all the good things in life. There's an abundance mindset, not a scarcity mindset, for contribution, for making a difference, for mattering. And that to me is maybe the strongest reason why all of us should get involved at some level in thought leadership because we can make a real difference in our world and we need that in our world today. Thank you, Stephen. And what a way to, to bring this segment to a close. Thank you so much for being with us today. You, you are welcome, Javier. Well, uh, Esmeralda and the Tar Hill Hustle podcast team, I appreciate it. Also, what a thrill to be able to do this with my son, Stephen. And I, I adore him and, and all of you because of your friendship with him. And, and already you're my immediate friends because of your friendship with him. So thank you. Thank you. And uh, what, a, what a fun opportunity this has been. Stephen, thank you so much for your time today. You shared so many gems that any of our listeners can immediately include in their personal lives and respective businesses. Wow. What an amazing episode. I've always been a fan of Stephen Covey and the spirit of trust, and I genuinely appreciate the breadth and depth of his thought leadership. We hope everyone stays tuned to our next episode with our special guest, Dr. Bill Faulkner, representing our career and leadership services. As always, you can find us on all our social media platforms. Hasta luego. Odabo. In case you're looking to get in on a Tar Heel hustle, make sure you check out our episodes available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to be featured on a future episode of the Tar Heel Hustle, feel free to click on the link in the show notes. We look forward to having you on the show. Until next time, keep hustling. I think there is an incredible amount of very relevant and applicable content that just adds to your value and it adds to your brand. You just know more, you just do more. And, and I do think uh, it will change you. I mean, if I was to ask you guys, do you believe you're all different people now than you were when you first started the program? What would you guys say?